more than anything else, right, the thing that just blows me away about road testing cars, I mean, check it out, it's the glamour. Anyway, in relation to today, I've got a question for you. What vehicle is five millimetres longer than a Kia Carnival? It's got a two and a half tonne tow capacity, or thereabouts, all-wheel drive, and more payload than a Land Cruiser. One more thing, okay, it's $350,000. Once you tick the box for a few options, which you would do because, hey, it's only money. is the BMW 750i X-Drive. All-wheel drive, twin-turbo petrol V8, 4.4 litres, 390 kilowatts at 6,000 RPM. <laughs> yes, and 750 newton metres basically everywhere else. So it's fair to say euphemistically that this particular vehicle is beyond merely adequate in every respect. And I'll be bringing you a full report in coming days, but I wanted to touch base with you right now concerning an issue that arose based on thinking about the kinds of dudes who would procure a vehicle such as this, and also mortals like you and me who own ordinary type cars, and one particular trap that brings people like us undone if we don't, you know, play by the rules. So this report is part behind the scenes and part Q&A. So maybe you want to live the dream and actually review cars for a living. How are you going to feel about stepping behind the wheel of a car like this that's an important corporate asset and also worth five or six average annual salaries? The responsibility can be quite daunting. And then, of course, you have to cross the bridge of giving it back in the middle of next week, which is just like spending a week being upgraded to first friggin' class across the Atlantic and back, I guess. And every flight thereafter, you're back in economy. And I've got to say, economy has never seemed so bleak. To the kind of dude or dudette who is fortunate enough to call a car like this their own, I'd suggest it's much less of a big deal. And I'm talking proportionally, you know, in the context of their overall wealth and spending capacity versus ours. See, to you or me, spending, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, even 60,000 bucks on a brand new car, that's likely to be much more of an investment. The payments are likely to be proportionally higher in the context of what we bring home each week. And this makes me think about this investment that you and I make in our own mobility and whether or not you're doing enough to protect it. I bought a Hyundai i30SR from brand new a year ago on your recommendation, which I am very happy with. As yet, have not reached the 15,000 kilometres, so I have not had the service. Does that matter? And do I need to go to the dealer to have it serviced? Or can I go to my local mechanic? I would appreciate your advice. So it's fair to say that this is a pretty important topic which a lot of people gloss over until it bites them on the ass in the worst possible way at the dealership. And they go face first into the tiles because they take a look down there and the decimal point on the quote to repair their car 
disappears over the horizon. And even worse, they're told by the dealer that no support will be forthcoming and they'll be footing the bill entirely on their own. And this is, of course, preventable. You can't even claim ignorance because just like in a court of law, it's not a defence. So let us go back to the Fat Cave. We'll flesh this out. I will stay here and finish the review of the Fat Cat Express and also join you back there because, I don't know, video voodoo. And we'll also hear from a guy who is just about to be defibrillated at the dealership because he made this mistake and the worst possible confluence of events transpired. And we'll do this not to have a shot at him, but so that it does not happen to you. And we are live, or at least virtually so. If you're a regular viewer of Auto Expert, you will be aware that I'm setting up for live broadcasting, and this is the prototypical setup. I can even hear myself, so I don't need these anymore. time you hear that kind of thing on radio or whatever, henceforth, you will know that the announcer or the poor bastard who is looking down the barrel of whatever, the microphone or the camera, is just sorting some important crap out in the background. To be fair, it's also a decent transitional element. Anyway, this is the controlled chaos of the Fat Cave. And when I do the pre-recorded stuff, you'll note that I have hastily concocted this environment that seems very clean indeed and, you know, very organised and now the ugly truth is <laughs> revealed before you and this nuclear holocaust of fat cave business as usual operations is kind of revealed. So there's that. Anyway, we've got a couple of tricks up our sleeve with the live broadcasting thing and this would be one of them, which is kind of, you know, the desktop light version of the way they operate in a proper television control room. Anyway, I'll be doing live streams into the future and I just wanted to give you a window into this setup so that you could just, you know, confirm that I'm not completely full of it in getting my live streams up and running. The final hurdle to, co uh, to, uh, to cross, whatever that is, that word, the final hurdle to cross here is just actually beaming it up out there to YouTube and also to cross the final technical challenges of getting calls in so I can take your calls and answer your questions live via telephone. So there's that. Anyway, that's what's coming up in the future. Let's deal with Maria's problem right now. And the first thing is, and we'll get into this in greater detail in just a minute, but servicing has to be the time or the distance, whichever comes first. And this is really not optional. If you're a short distance driver, it is absolutely unreasonable and a case of owner abuse if you say, oh, well, I'm not at the K's yet. It's 12 months, but I'm just not at the K's yet, so I'll just let it slide till I get to those K's. That's nuts. It's too dangerous. We'll get to that. It's the time or the distance, whichever comes first. On the question of dealers or independent repairers, you can do either, okay? If you use an independent repairer, they can't deny your warranty claims based on that. They might try it on, but it is absolutely illegal if they try and do that. If you use an independent repairer, three things, okay? Number one, what you've got to do is you've got to get the servicing done on time, right? And number two, everything done in the servicing schedule for that service, everything specified in the manual, 
has to get done. And number three, and this is very important to realise, is that they cannot deny your warranty claim if you do not use genuine parts. So you don't have to use a Mazda, Kia, Hyundai, Toyota, whatever, oil filter or air filter or any of that stuff, as long as the parts you use are fit for purpose, they will be okay. And that means if, for example, you would like to use a Ryko air filter or oil filter instead of the genuine one, that's totally fine as well. What I would say, though, is if you're going to go to an independent repairer, at least once a year, what you should do is head on down to your local dealer. You don't have to bring the car. You probably don't even have to go in person, but you can just give them a call in the service department, recite the VIN code to them and ask them if there are any pending recalls or service campaigns or software updates on your car. And they will know that off the bat, okay? And it's very important to get them done if you can. The dealer will do all of that work for free. Recalls, software updates and service campaigns, they don't charge you for that stuff and don't feel bad about it because absolutely they will send the importer a bill and get recompense for that work that they do on your car. But once a year, you should do that. Likewise, if you buy a used car, one of the first things you should do is let the manufacturer know that you own it so that they can, you know, communicate with you if there are recalls or whatever else. And you should also uh, make sure that all those service campaigns and software updates and all of that stuff that might be in the pending trade that the previous owner did not address suddenly gets addressed so that your car is brought up to date. And uh, finally, I think you'll find that the service interval on that particular vehicle Maria was talking about, the i30SR, late model i30SRs had a 12-month or 10,000-kilometre service interval. I just checked that on redbook.com.au and it sort of confirmed what was in the back of my head about that model. It's 12 months or 10,000 kilometres, whichever comes first, and that's primarily because I think Hyundai is being a little conservative with its turbocharged petrol engines, but the service interval is definitely 10,000 Ks on that or the 12 months, whichever comes first. So don't leave it until 15,000. That would be an absolute mistake. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this preview of the upcoming live studio setup. I hope it hasn't been too painful for you to watch me come to grips with the vision switching in the background. You know, in a proper television studio, they've got three or four dudes in the control room bothering with the switching and the audio levels and all of that stuff. And kind of here, it's just me taking care of going from here to there, which believe it or not, is quite the cognitive workload. Anyway, if it's been a little tedious, bear with me, I will get slicker into the future. Anyway, right now, let us look at the anatomy of a proper servicing disaster. Regrettably, my 2015 Captiva has a potentially blown turbo. I am taking it to hold and next week for it to be assessed. Luckily, my car is still under warranty. Will my turbo be replaced under warranty? Well, that's better. Back in this familiar environment of being not quite live, like a vampire. So, I'm not going to use this guy's name here because I don't want to embarrass him or affect the drama which is playing out at the local dealership right now. 
And in response to him by email, I explained that warranty covers manufacturing defects and premature failures. So if you have your car serviced on time and you don't abuse it, then these kinds of defects are almost certainly going to be covered under warranty. If you don't get the car serviced properly, then they're standing on pretty firm ground, I'd suggest, when they tell you that the repair bill is going to be your problem. I mean, what they've got to do is draw a line between the failure to service the vehicle and the problem that manifests itself, which is easy in the case of a failed turbo, not so easy in the case of a, I don't know, blown computer or something, which is not a serviceable item and which doesn't fundamentally have any servicing obligation. So you might still be okay if you don't have your car serviced, but when it's one of these problems that's like 10,000 bucks or more for a blown engine or something, I'd suggest if you have not had your car serviced, your warranty is toast. So I asked our hero here about the service history of his fine craptiva, and the response I got made me feel a little bit like Neo taking the red pill. I got the car serviced at the kilometres, but not in line with the months. For example, when it was due for the 75,000 kilometre 45 month service, it was serviced at 76,500 kilometres and 50 months. Would that be a risk to a warranty claim? The car has never been abused, just driven as a family car. Just to reiterate, okay, it's the time or the distance, whichever comes first. This is absolutely clear in all of the documentation. I didn't know. It's not a friggin' defense. Most modern cars have a service indicator that pops up in the message center between the Speedo and the Taco. A message pops up and it says, service due now. What do you think that means? There's absolutely no ambiguity about the intent of that message. I think you'd agree. A massive five months late on the time. I mean, Jesus, five months. Whether you've driven gently or not, that is textbook owner abuse. Even if you drive like Liz friggin' Regina from Brexitville is in the back every day, that's abuse. So... This is the bit kind of where I explain as diplomatically as I can to the punter that bracing for significant financial impact seems prudent. If you're ever in this position, I would not mention the service history. Not at all. Don't allude to it. Don't even look in the direction of the service ringing book for your car. But it's going to take a miracle, I'd suggest, of biblical proportion for them to overlook that. You simply must get the services done on time, right? Meaning the time or the distance, whichever occurs first, otherwise it does constitute owner abuse and it opens the door to being fobbed off on the issue of a warranty claim, and justifiably so. The average car in Australia drives just under 15,000 kilometres a year, according to Ausstats. And that means about half of all cars, subject to 12-month, 15,000-kilometre service intervals, are going to have the time come up before they get to the distance. The other thing to realise is that the time component is not a rip-off. They're not trying to rip you off and just generate more services. If you don't drive that much, this is hell on earth for engine oil. 
Lots of impurities get into your oil if you drive like that, thanks to not very much full temperature engine operation between every cold start. And this is very bad for your engine. It's why they engineer a time component into the service schedule in the first place. And sadly, you just can't negotiate this away, right? No matter how clever an orator you are, it's not a friggin' debate. You can't win. Servicing is this black and white obligation that is rooted in the facts domain. So if you fail to meet these obligations and you are looking at a massive repair bill for one of these things that goes bang under, you know, down there, about all you can do is think about getting a decent independent mechanic to do the repairs because guaranteed that's going to save thousands of dollars compared with the price the dealership will charge you for exactly the same job. And you could also think in this case about fitting a quality aftermarket turbocharger for the same reason. And then, you know, this dialogue with our hero continued via a Ouija board in the twilight zone. Hopefully they will be kind and look favorably on me. Very expensive lesson to learn. I do have one more question. I checked the service book on what is completed at the service. It does not specify it checks the turbo. So why would not servicing exactly on time would void the warranty? I assume the turbo is a manufacturing fault, hence covered by Holden. The apocryphal drowning guy, you know, clutching at straws. This is that. It's gonna be a frugal Christmas in that household. Sadly, I'm tipping. Now look, if you are ever falling back on the slim hope of getting saved by kindness and favor in the service department of a car dealership, that's pretty much a Black Hawk Down moment in Mogadishu in the 90s, all over again. Quite a bleak situation, I think you'd agree. And if this ever happens to you, do not emerge from the helicopter looking to negotiate or, you know, argue this away, you know, like, look, we're the good guys here, and those friggin' bullets of yours, show me the bit on the packet where it says, okay to fire at helicopter gearbox oil lines. I therefore demand that you put this fine Sikorsky device back up in the sky right now. You mainly don't say that because the other team would be shooting at you, but also because just thinking it would be absurd. There is a direct causal link between overdue services and turbo failures. Turbos are lubricated by engine oil and overdue services degrade engine oil quality. Turbos are very demanding components that rotate at tens of thousands of RPM and operate at extremely high temperature. Degraded oil fails to protect the bearings. The turbo goes bang expensively. There's your friggin' causality. And there is your ka-ching in the service department. A bad Christmas for you is a good Christmas for that dealer. It's really that simple. On this issue of serviceability, okay, there are no serviceable components within a turbo and hence there is no need for turbocharger inspection during services. There's no crankshaft inspection either and plenty of other components are like this. They don't get serviced or treated during a service or inspected because it is not necessary. This is actually a very well thought out, established, straightforward system 
And I'd suggest that you cannot uncover a fatal flaw in the logic of servicing by desperately researching, if that's the right word, the service manual in the lead up to one of these invasive inspections. It's going to cost you heaps looking for a way to frame the debate in your favour. It's just not going to happen. The other thing you really need to realise here is that there will not be forensic-style investigation into the why of the turbo failure. They're going to identify the failure, if there is one. They're going to identify the extent of the problem as well and the parts that need replacing. That's it. Then they're going to go and do the job and charge you for it. Turbos should not fail in service on vehicles that are under warranty and properly serviced. So if they do and you are in that position, properly serviced, then with a good service history, that's going to be good for you and they'll pick up the tab. Repairs will be at their cost, which is what you want. If you're five months overdue on that service, I'd suggest in this situation that is an unwinnable argument. Of course, the turbo might have failed because of a manufacturing defect or because Craptiva is just an unreliable shit heap. But how would you possibly hope to prove this, okay? That's not going to be possible. I get that servicing is a grudge purchase, all right? Nobody enjoys doing it. It's not like spending up on a weekend away or a night out, a big dinner and a show, a new handbag, whatever, new set of fishnets, yeah. All you get back after a service is a direct hit on your credit card and exactly the same friggin' car that you were driving this morning. It doesn't feel any different. It's hardly as if the tactical servicing police are going to kick down your door at 3am and lead you off in handcuffs for all the neighbours to see, right, if you roll those servicing obligations for a few months or just never get the car serviced. No one's going to care, except you when something bad happens. But it does open the door to disaster if you do this. So I wouldn't look at it like that if I were you. I'd look at it like this. Servicing is insurance, right? It's insurance against footing the bill for five figures in repairs, which is exactly what it's going to be if you have a major engine or transmission failure and the service history on your car is crap. And let's face it, the only people for whom five-figure spends are trivial, right? They're driving around in, I don't know, seven-series BMWs and buying their kids Birkin handbags and Rolex watches for, I don't know, borderline graduating at high school. It's a different world for them than it is for us, I'd suggest. So... You know those two espresso coffees that you might have every day, five days a week, which you don't really think about because, hey, it's a trivial expense. Maybe it's a good way to escape from the office twice a day, perhaps. Over the course of a year, that's going to cost you significantly more than you pay for that one annual service due on your car. And more than anything else, this makes me think about some people's priorities. That's all I've got for you today. Thanks for watching.